Niver Niver Lands, Season 2, Episode 1. That's why we're here today. Produced by Matt Gunroom and Gleam Tower Media. Our guest. Someone who's definitely had their opinions about things that I've done in the restaurant industry. Someone who's helped shape the culture of the restaurant scene in the cities, the Twin Cities, for over 20 years. This person works still for the Star Tribune. He's moved on to do some more architectural writing and some community-based things. His name is Rick Nelson, our food critic for so many years in the Twin Cities. Rick Nelson today on Niver Niver Land, season two, episode one. don't really get to you know write your restaurant story right this you start you start the you, you start the story and then you're kind of like okay and then it's you know you can exert on how well you do and execute and all that but you don't really know mm-hmm. how your restaurant is going to end up right but you you might conclude from what we see out there and I said this. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm gonna swear a lot, okay. and I'm gonna do. Is that, is, great. is that okay? Um, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! <laughs> yes, yes, Rick is here, man. So a couple of friends of mine are opening a restaurant, and I just closed one, and they're like, "Hey, man, sorry to hear about. Sorry to hear about you know Trattoria Mucci closing." And I looked at him, and I go, "Oh well, you're gonna open one, you're gonna close one," mm-hmm. and I'm like. <gasps> But you guys will be fine. <laughs> yeah. You'll never close yours. You'll yeah. never close yours. <laughs> and it just it's just such a such a weird thing. Like we don't get to write the story, but at the strip club, it ended up being that we did. Because mm-hmm. we we got to finish what we started. Nobody got hurt. It was it was just like a it was just like a perfect little right. thing. Ten years, nine yeah. and a half years. Right. And we got to like, and we can like look at it and it's still kind of perfect. Yeah. That was such a happy place. Like people were so happy to be there. Yeah. We yeah. drank quite a bit too, you know, and that certainly <laughs> there was some elevators uh, to that and embellishments on, you know, like what work, you know, and I'm not always proud of that, but it was a good time place. What else, what other places are like that? I know the town talk was too, because like we were totally, that was totally the ethos mm-hmm. that we were trying to push there. I mean, your Town Talk Diner, I think, you, you know, the original reiteration of Town Talk Diner that you did, I thought was brilliant. And it, that was also a really happy place, too, you know? Yeah. You're being nice to yeah. me. No, no, it's the so truth. Yeah. Thank you. It but was that, fun. That's one of the things that I really have always loved about the restaurant industry is its hopeful optimism. The people in restaurants are so optimistic about the future. It's like, hey, we're going to open a restaurant, you know, it's like, and the dive that it takes to do that is so extraordinary. And the optimism that it requires is so extraordinary. So I don't know where it always comes from. You know, like I look at people and I, I'm like, why are you doing this? And yet I'm like doing it, man. I'm like, like, you're crazy, you know, and then I'll listen, I'm doing it along with them. And 
you know, I never can tell what is actually going to work. Like mm -hmm. I used to think that maybe I could set the trend. I think I got lucky that I was like ahead of a curve. I'm not even sure I knew what was curving, but like, you know, Town Talk was maybe a little ahead of the curve. And stuff oh, like it was that. totally ahead of the curve. But I don't know that I really knew it when I was starting it. It just seemed like stuff mm -hmm. we wanted to do. It seems like now, though, I, I don't know that I can really pick where things are headed, mm -hmm. what's going to work. I see people come up. Uh, um, uh, I'm also a little absolute, uh, uh, herbivorous butcher, right? Mm -hmm. when, when I heard they were going to open up a vegan butcher shop, I stopped dead in my tracks. And I'm like, what? How do you do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't scoff at it. I was just like, holy shit, this yeah. is like the, the mathematics of it, right? How do we're you like, do yeah, that? Right. Yeah, I just, yeah. I have no, no idea. And I'm not, I don't eat vegan. I don't eat vegetarian. And that's maybe something I'll end up switching into, you know, like by necessity, unfortunately, maybe. But, but they have done something that is now nationally renowned. Right. They crush it. I've made vegan pizzas with their mozzarella, their vegan mozzarella cheese, and it's creamy and delicious. And I was like, this, I had no idea that something like that yeah. would work. And it crushed. Yeah. It's crushing. And then they opened a fried chicken place, you know, with, with the shakes. And, and it's good. Oh, you know? I haven't yeah. been there it's yet. It's terrific. I, I have yeah. to make sure that I yeah. go. They're, they're an extraordinary um, ensemble. They really are. I've had yeah. a... We did a, just a little query online um, on Instagram. It's like, who should our next guest be? And they their names came up. Twice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and they're funny and articulate. Yeah, you yeah. should. Yeah, oh, you and should they're totally ballsy, too. Yeah, they yeah, really right. don't take any shit. Like, these right. vegans are badass. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Do the not toughest, mess with the, the vegans. toughest vegans in town, man. <laughs> Do not mess with me. <laughs> This is my <laughs> fake pepperoni, but it's real. And then the spices taste so good. Yeah. And I have that barbecue rib or whatever. Mm -hmm. Stuff's good. It you is good. a barbecue yeah. pizza with it. Anyway, I have to go back just a sec and kind of introduce okay. what we're doing today. So, Rick, nice to have you here. Nice to be here. So, episode four. Season two, episode one, season two, the fourth <laughs> episode I've done. And this is Niver, Niverland, brought to you in part by Gleam Tower Media and my friend Matt Gundrum. Um, today we get to sit with Rick Nelson. And I, I really hadn't thought about the first time that we encountered each other in a restaurant until today. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's been a long time. Mm -hmm. It's been a very long time. So if I if my memories, Rick Nelson, everybody, thank you. I need the clap machine. <laughs> right. The clap machine, everybody. Rick Nelson. Um, there is a place called Pronto Ristorante. Mm -hmm. And I used to work there. And I think you used, you used to go there. I did used to go there. And yeah. I think you sat in the cafe, two F's, two E's. I'm not sure why it was that way, but the cafe... Um, quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I like the cafe. It was less expensive for one thing, and it was ca more casual. And was it kind of in the back, so it was leased by the windows, so you could kind of look out at the greenway? So the, Do I have that right? Well, kind it was of? actually the cafe was up front. Oh, okay. Then I'm You walk into what they called that little circle kitchen in the middle, yes, that what they called right. the pastaficio. Yeah. And then it was all of these like stainless steel... 
uh, rails with the little bulbous stainless steel ends on them yep. and tile like everywhere white tile right it's very white yeah Yeah. holy crap i don't even i mean we're all like you know scrubbing that (laughs) clean every what it was crazy but what a what a weird location number one but i got to meet you there and i was that was my first manager job wow you remember alfonso i don't alfonso was this guy from veracruz mexico he ran the door there he was the only guy that ever worked that could pull off canary yellow Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like, dude could do it. <laughs> and in an all-white environment? In like an all, that, in that shiny all, white? It looked like oh, a Oh, his Conrad skin was store. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> just, like, the most handsome dude. Yeah. I mean, and he's got it all, you know, the pocket squares and the colors and all that. I really, I really, you know, miss that place. I think it was actually foundational for me, too, when I, you know, now that I do this Italian stuff. Mm-hmm. But there aren't too many places that like roll the pasta in front of you and then do everything a la minute right there in front of you anymore. Not like that. That was right. kind of like a little kitchen stadium. Yeah. Um, that was a really, re- again, a really remarkable restaurant, wasn't it? And, yeah. You know, I don't think that people really realized how, uh, what a standard that set for the Twin Cities. It was really a, a you know, a, a new idea. Uh, really beautifully done, I thought. And it lasted a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think it was there 17 mm-hmm. years yeah. or what have you. It might have been there 17 years when I got there. But you're right, the Hyatt, like what a weird location. It's in like the back, buried by in the, the back. greenway. Yeah. You know, you go you go into the lobby, you go, no, like the, the parking ramp, and you walk into this weird, like, you know, banquet hall, hotel hallway. And then you take a left and then you can hear the roar of fucking manny's down there right those doors are open it's just like you know mid 90s that place was you know doing you know between five and seven million in the hyatt and that was just in the hyatt in the hyatt Oh, and Manny's man, was the ugliest restaurant ever. Oh, like, it was I mean, really yeah. bad. Yeah, you know, it was they so had all cheap. The... It was like drywall and 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 like and plaques. That was essentially <laughs> yeah, Manny's. The photos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, there was a lot of activities on the inside going mm-hmm. on there. That place, oh, yeah. the debauchery, and all of all of that. That was you know classic, classic steakhouse mm-hmm. stuff. God, they're still doing it. Yeah. So now they've been there. Manny's has been around. I mean, thirty years. Oh, anyway. My God. Yeah. That's at sick. least right. That's crazy. Yeah. And with things the way they are now, that, that you know, what do restaurants? This is not a doom and gloom podcast. I think there's some things I'm going to touch on today that are kind of about closures. Mm-hmm. You know, like restaurants just don't last long. Right. That's the reality. Yeah. Right. You've done a number of articles on, I don't know, maybe it was yearly, kind of the closure lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do a year in review kind of thing in the list of restaurants that are closed, and yeah. And Which is always really depressing. It was really yeah. depressing, yeah. but it also it's kind of like the reality of it all. I looked back to a little bit in between 27 and 2018 in the two articles you wrote. There were 100 closures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 60 in 2017, lots of names. Really, really weird. Like kind of wondering what was happening then, turning things into like what happens now mm-hmm. after all of this stuff has gone down it should be are you tired of this restaurant shit do you want to not talk about restaurants oh anymore? no we can talk about restaurants till the cows come home i love it i love talking about restaurants you you're can't? not you're yeah. not sick of it yet like, no I mean, no I mean like i'm not doing wear on my you? job but you know i'm like i'm not sick of it i'm still really fascinated by it because of people like you i think the greatest thing about my job was i got to write about 
what I thought was the coolest, most fascinating, most intelligent, most creative, generous people in town. Mm. The restaurant, people in restaurants, they're extraordinary people. Yeah. Even the dicks are extraordinary people. Yeah. You know? yeah. Let's talk about the dicks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no names, but <laughs> okay. I actually That's love fine. I actually love the dicks because I think they're I think they're fabulous to write about or to so, know, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, let's so let's say if you were running into uh, going over things in your mind in the past and, and there was the biggest prick chef in town. Yep. What would they do if you called them up or what what well, maybe well, see, the stirred is, their ire? Nobody was really a dick to me. I mean, to me personally, because, you know, I was the guy at the newspaper. We have the largest audience in the five state area. No one was really a, a true dick to me. And it's also yeah. Minnesota. So people are very passive aggressive about their dickishness. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, people would be cold to me or, you know, like maybe wouldn't take my calls for a long time or not. And for a long time, I mean, like a week, yeah. you know, like not that long. There was one chef who I wrote something about who did not respond to a, a query of mine for two years. And that was a problem, maybe a year and a half. Um, that was a big problem, but uh, that's in a whole nother story. But for the most part, like people were generally, you know, polite to me. If they didn't like me, they were still polite to me. Part of that, again, is Minnesota. We were a polite people. Um, you know, there were a couple of dicks, but I always found them amusing. You know, it's like it, that it is the fabric up, of this know? business. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know, you got so many people. They're creatives. They're out there. You know, they're putting their their themselves forward on a plate. Something that I don't. I personally tend to have to do. Mm -hmm. I am responsible for what goes on the plate, but these chefs have a decent amount of pressure on them. Right. They're also public facing people. And that's a, that's a huge responsibility. And it's got to be exhausting too, to be in the public eye all the time. You know, I, I, I couldn't take that. That would be just a really a huge you in pressure. the public eye all the time. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I like sit in my, I sit in a cubicle on the 15th floor of a building or 12th floor of a building and type, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm kind of in the public eye, but I'm not facing people on a day-to-day -day basis and dealing with the public. I don't know how people in the restaurant industry do that. I don't know how they do that. Because people no in, people who come to restaurants are dicks too, you know, and, and that's gotta be exhausting. You know, I, it's there's so few like actual dicks that come to the restaurant. Mostly yeah. they call yeah. first. Like the dicks usually like call first and you know they're coming. Yeah. So, so all hands on deck. All right? hands yeah. on deck. <laughs> you know, like over, over, mostly I just think it's it's less that people are dicks. It's kind of that everybody has a preference. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to like take care of all of the preferences. You know, those things become mm -hmm. You know, taxing. Right. And there are some people. Oh, <laughs> the last little mini uh, podcast episode that I did talked about how restaurants need help. Mm -hmm. And somebody responded to me uh, un unfavorably talking about uh, numerous issues with my with my quote. And out of the not having listened to the whole thing, I think the person did not listen to the whole thing. So it may have been taken out of context. But people are now activated to say every single thing yeah. the vaccination stuff like they really really will say some the wackos are out we've we've noticed that we don't see them in too much mm -hmm. 
but they're out there. They're yeah. commenting. They're right. They're commenting yeah. in, in their underwear in the basement. Did yeah. you read the comments on most of what you wrote? No, I never read the comments on our story. <laughs> uh, the webs are our, our, the comments on our website are so toxic. Oh man, and, and, and so, so crazy. I mean, I gave it up years ago. Every once in a while. My husband or um, my, my sisters or my brother will text me and say, yeah, you got to read the comments on these. And I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, no, they're actually they're actually OK. There was one crazy one. I'm like, uh, do I really want to? And then I want to take a shower after I read them. Yeah, so, oh so I just don't read them. I, I, I just think I don't even know why we why we have them. I just think they're really bad. Turn them yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want your comments. And I wish I knew the science behind why they're doing it. You know, like, does it really drive more participation in our website or is it just the same hundred crazy people writing crazy things? You know, you can write about, oh, uh, Adam Eaton has this fantastic new bologna sandwich at, at St. Dinette. And within three comments, it'll turn into a screed on Obamacare. It's like, yeah, what? You know, you so know what I, else is baloney? Yeah. Obamacare. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I don't read the comments. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I always I do. To, you know, I like, yeah. you know, I kind of like, you know, washing myself with the uh, craziness <laughs> of others and seeing if any of it sticks. And, and it, it doesn't usually. And I do also get disgusted. I don't read. Well, very often I don't read restaurant, my restaurant reviews, like mm -hmm. the Google reviews and stuff. Yeah. I, uh, weirdly enough, I was Googling Trattoria Mucci over the weekends, you know, during, we closed this weekend. Right. And, and I'm and very sorry about that. Me too, me too. Um, but I went in and um, I looked at the reviews for Trattoria Mucci for the first time yeah. in two years. And we had been closed for as many months or equal amount or more months than we had actually been open to the public. And the reviews were so good. Yeah. I think maybe I should do this a little bit more. <laughs> but it was it was kind of part of my point to, you know, the the staff that, you know, like places are open, places close, and it doesn't mean they weren't good or that it right. was a failure or something like or that. Or it meant something to people, right? It, yeah. It right. really did. So we get here today and Matt, um, the producer Matt from Gleam Tower Media said he's got a guy coming to do some photographing today. I'm like, cool. So Mitch shows up and we're talking a little bit or whatever. And then he figures out that I own Moochies. Mm -hmm. And then he learned just today that we closed Moochies. And he's like, it's my favorite <laughs> restaurant. And I'm like, I knew there was a yeah. reason why, you know, like I, yeah. I wasn't that surprised that somebody <laughs> would be connected to me yeah. that would just show up kind of like on the side. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not surprising to me, but it's so nice to hear those things, yeah. even in a loss that people enjoyed what you did. Right. Are those the four greatest words you can hear? That's my favorite restaurant. Yeah, yeah. it's really right. good. You know, and we actually heard that, you know, like a lot the last couple of weeks and it was like damn you know like it wasn't anybody's fault um that we closed it right i didn't have a chance to fuck it up we weren't even open <laughs> you know what i mean like we weren't open how could i even like if we had just stayed open and i had run it into the ground or something that would have been me bucking it up but i didn't even get a chance to yeah. fuck it up right uh well it's, extra extra it's extraordinary <laughs> times that we are living in right yeah. now right yeah like yeah and I feel like the people in the restaurant industry are standing on, you know, the precipice of the Grand Canyon, looking down into the abyss. It's like, again, why I admire people in the restaurant industry so much, because they are literally on the front lines of the pandemic, 
with their livelihoods and their uh, and their creative forces. You know, it's every, their lives. Yeah. It's an extraordinary time, and I, you know, I have such admiration for people like you and for everyone in the industry. My heart goes out to everyone. It's. It's, That's so nice. It's, it's unbelievable. It's really easy to love us. Like uh, I love restaurant people yeah. too. Like I, I totally get into it. I totally get into like you know you, when you can tell other people enjoy service and other people and you know they come in and they kind of sink into your place and I mean it's just that is that is the best. Yeah. And then the guests are like that too. And then the servers can like ease in and be themselves. I love that when it's like that. I've been to some fancy places too, and I do like the pomp and the circumstance of mm -hmm. things. I do like the formality. I like considering another level. I, I like all of these parts because mm -hmm. there's the fine dining aspect and then there's, you know, just like a, a roadside cart and eight dogs for years was just like kind of one of those things, yeah. man. Yeah. He's working now for uh, Boveda, which does these little uh, humidifier packets for okay. cigars and marijuana as Ooh. well. So like people move on. Oh, um, Lenny Russo, I saw the other day, and he's he's selling wine. He's selling and wine he's at, at Kowalski's. You're right. He said he wanted a job. So yeah, God, just like how this all and this guy was, you know, James Beard nominated and and all these things, you know, just like time marches on. But anyway, I was so happy to to see him in there and staying in the staying in the fold. You started with Star Tribune twenty some odd years ago. Yes, uh, in, uh, in November of nineteen ninety eight is when I started. Yeah, ninety eight. The very first story that I wrote was a preview of the opening of Aquavit. Oh my god! Yeah, and I, I and the only reason I really remember that is because my sisters very kindly framed it, framed the cover oh, of the Variety. So it was on the cover of Variety, and I have it hanging in our laundry room. <laughs> so when I'm folding towels, I like look up and see, oh, there's my first story I ever published in the Star Tribune. Yeah. Aquavit was amazing. It was an amazing restaurant. Yeah. I was in I was in um I was in Vegas when you wrote that, I mm -hmm. think. And um I got to come come back here and like do that time with Marcus Samuelson. Yeah. That was three full years. I was gonna of, say how long did you work there? Three okay. full years yeah. with him. And we were um, so let's see, it was in 98, 99, 99 and 2000 is when I started in there. Um, but we were like top 50 in the United States. Right. That was some shit. <laughs> I was like general manager of that joint and I was such hot shit, I thought. And it was so long ago. Yeah. And it means a lot to me, but there was so much after that job. Mm -hmm. But what a foundation for you, right? Well, really Super, yeah, I mean, amazing. But then you, so that's when you started. You wrote about Aquabee. Goodfellas was downtown at that time. D'Amico Cucina. D'Amico Cucina was rolling. You know, Azure had just closed. Do you remember Azure? You know, uh, I like, never got there. You know, I was thinking of all the places that, you know, I mean, like, you know, in the 90s, really, and really in the early aughts, if you had a big, serious restaurant, chances are it was in downtown Minneapolis, right? Yeah. When did, you know, that's not the case anymore. Like, no, you know, I mean, and it's pre-pandemic too. Like that, that ship sailed a long time ago. Like people moved out to other areas. I mean, there were always outliers. Like, you know, I think of places like Alma, you know, it was never downtown. It was always mm -hmm. a great restaurant or, you know. Um, Xander when he broke right, off. Right, Cafe Xander, yeah. Like back think of all the Selby. places. That, like, that's where revival is now. Yeah, filtered out sense. into neighborhoods. You know, I mean, Lucia Watson was always not downtown. You know, I mean, there are places like that. But really the big serious, you know, 
we're going out to celebrate our anniversary kind of restaurants. We're basically in downtown Minneapolis. Yes. Yeah. It was, they were destination, downtown yep. destination joints. And they mm -hmm. were busy, every, you know, like downtown was busy. Ah. Yeah. You know, that's rough. It that's is rough. rough to yeah. talk about downtown like that. But the North Loop is doing okay. Right. I mean, you know, like, Free. you know, They're by 2010, think of the restaurants that had migrated and opened into the North Loop and really blew that neighborhood up. And it's really still you know, the great restaurant neighborhood in the Twin Cities, I would say, you know, it has the greatest collection of restaurants in the neighborhood, uh, in a single neighborhood, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the density and then like the fourth, like that would work, you know, all mm. the development money and all of that. And then the hewing is doing what it's doing down there. And right. Setting, you know, precedence. You know, it helps to have what, 10,000 people just living, you know, within six sure blocks does. of one Captive another. Captive right. audience. Yep. Yeah. Well, those were the Dutois years too. Mm -hmm. Michael Moore, did he pass? Michael just, Morris, he died, yeah, late in the late summer. You know, what a, what a remark. Like, there were just no people like Michael, you know, big characters who greeted you at the door. That's and old school, Swanned man. you through the dining room yeah. and, you know, patted your back and, you yeah, know, yeah. Air kissed you, you know. I mean, <laughs> who does that? I have you know? a story about him, yeah. front of the house story. He, we went there, Wade Weasley and I, Oceanair, yeah. and uh, now like Morton's and, and Lowry's. I mean, the dude's like working mm -hmm. everywhere. Anyway, he and I and our wives went to Undutois, and there's Michael. It was kind of late because we did our shift and we went, you know, we were eaters and we were restaurant people, so we went late. And all of a sudden, the restaurant is empty. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we had had our first course or whatever. And I look, I look over. And there's Michael, about, you know, maybe 15 feet from us, grabs his coffee or a soda, something else he was drinking. He was recovered, you know, but he was sitting there and he lights a cigarette, <laughs> blows it in our direction. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> and then I really realized, like, he wants us to go. <laughs> he wants us we to like, leave. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we finished and we had dessert and it was a lovely time. I'm not, I think Vincent was there, right? Yeah. I think Vincent was there. At that okay. Point. It was kind of towards yeah. the end. But wow, that was classic. He was something, wasn't he? I mean, he had this voice, this yeah. growly. And he, and, he, and he called me, he's the only person other than my great grandmother who called me Ricky. Ricky, how you doing? Oh, that's God, so fucking Ricky, East Coast. Yeah, Timmy, <laughs> Jimmy, Ricky, Bobby, get over here. Yeah. We got to talk. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> but he made a really great restaurant, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Andrew Zimmern made that place great. Uh, Vincent Frank, Vincent made it great, you yeah. know? Yeah. Vincent and Andrew couldn't be different stylistically. I mean, they couldn't, any, couldn't be any more different. Any more style. different, right? Yeah. And they still made great restaurants out they of really, that same really space. Did. Yeah. And then Andrew went off shortly thereafter and opened a place in the building where Solera was. Oh, backstage at Bravo. Backstage yeah. at Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like... That is some old time oh, yeah. stuff. I don't even know how, I don't think that was open long either. No, it didn't <laughs> last long. He didn't last long with it either. He moved on oh, to something else too. Yeah. And, and it kind of struggled and then it closed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What an arc for that dude too. Like, yeah. you know, that when we were opening Aquavi, you know, you, I think he was working for Fox News. He rolled in one day in this velour kind of shiny chef coat thing. I'm like, who's this guy? You know, who's this fucking guy? I don't know. 
And then all of a sudden he turns into like a beyond famous dude. And And how great is that, right? Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Like I'm like half jealous and half mad, you know, like, you know, it's like I want to be that guy at the same time I am that guy, just a Mm -hmm. different way, you know, (laughs) like everything that he does, the words that he has about the food that he eats and the way he describes things. There's nobody. He's completely unique. He's the best chef like that, you know. Um, But to have your own restaurant, you know, that shit's, you know, like completely, uh, completely horrific or can be a horrific experience. You know, he had some hard things that he went through. That's just one person's story. Right. God, all these places. What are some other classics? D'Amico. D'Amico, I mean, like, think of all the people who came through D'Amico Cucina. You know, I always have this theory that um, great restaurants um, spawn other great restaurants because people are working in environments where they learn really amazing things and then they take those kernels and they take them and spread them to other places and then they grow, which is why I think that, you know, we had these really terrific restaurants in the 90s and early aughts that really sprouted all these other extraordinary great restaurants. And that's what's made the Twin Cities such a extraordinary you know, exceptional dining destination. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, the closures are also like this turnover. Right. You know, you're tilling the soil. You, at part of one of the, one of the other articles that I read through last night, you, you wrote about like how like Piccolo closed and then Tenet went in there and the, that it was like one and one and one and one, all these restaurant spaces, like it happens again. Mm-hmm. Like we don't stop. So, you know, it's like one churn, door closes right? and yep. another one literally yeah. opens. Yeah. We are persistent, aren't we? Yes, it's a very persistent industry. And I think the fact that there were, that you could say, oh my God, look at how many closures there were this year. You could also say, look at how many openings yeah. there were. You know, it's like over the years and certainly over my tenure at the paper, more and more restaurants were opening every year. You know, I think at a, maybe like in about 2013, 2014, we even did a story about, oh my God, 150 restaurants have opened this year. Isn't that amazing? Like, you know, and it was amazing. Um, hmm. Well, uh, you, you know, know you see, it's funny. 2015, you're writing about all these restaurant openings. And then 2017, we're writing about all these restaurants. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's not surprising though, yeah. right? You know, but that, that proliferation, you know, marches on. I, I think that's really cool. And it's really cool to see, you know, players, like you say, uh, I saw... Kim Tong, it was like such a sweet thing. She owns um, All Saints. Mm-hmm. And I hired her back in the Town Talk days. And to see her, you know, realize her dream, like she put in her time with a lot of people. And Absolutely. she's got like a ridiculous standard that now I think I'll probably have to look to because it's people like that that push me. The front of the house people, we just don't have as many anymore. Right. You know, like the model kind of changed over. So here's the, here's the chef run mm-hmm. joint and you know you kind of have some servers eric carsey i think was the one that kind of f- tried to flip the switch on you know like not having servers mm-hmm. that was an interesting mix oh and then in that same uh article about places flipping from one to the other up to 43 into martina and what a crazy flip that was because often right? was awesome yeah that was a fantastic restaurant yeah not unlike aquavit kind mm-hmm. of in its you know, very, you know, contemporary yes, Scandinavian. Modern, and, yeah. yeah. With a, with a Midwestern twist to it and very, very, um, you know, idiosyncratic to Eric and what his interests were. 
and then to flip it to Martino, which was totally Pounced. different and amazing, you know, like, uh, yeah. And the, that's kind of coming together of Marco and Danny mm -hmm. Del Prado and that marriage kind of, it's kind of insane. And John Krause is like, I love talking about this because it's just like, and John Krause was in the building yeah. and then now he's not, you know, and this is one of the best pastry chefs in the fucking world. Right. I don't even think people know yeah. that John Krause is one of the best pastry chefs in the fucking world. Yeah. Like this guy is like insane. He's we in, have him. He's in Relais Desserts, for God's sake. God. You know, that the fraternity of the best French pastry chefs in the world. How does that even happen? And he's one of two, Amer maybe he might be the only American in that organization. I mean... Yeah, we're so lucky that we he's really here. are, you know, and that actually that's one of the great stories I think of my tenure at the paper is the the bakery boom in the Twin Cities. Mm. I mean, think like 20 years ago. Could you have named even two bakeries that Mellow you Glaze, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, turtle bread, you know, sure, I mean, turtle turtle bread, bread, yeah, for you know, sure. for sure. Can you think of another one? Mm -hmm. eh, you know, I mean, Pam Sherman had kind of fallen oh, yeah. by the wayside at that point. Now you could rattle off a dozen, yeah. you know, really exceptional bakeries. Um, some of them are small. Yeah, right. And some of them are Patty Saskin sized. Yeah. She's done amazing with um, her yeah. stuff. I always love Yum. She's just got a real, yeah. like a, every person sent, you know, sentiment to the place, but it's sexy. Yeah. I love Yum too, and I love her. Yeah. yeah. I like she's, she's got a sign in her restaurant that says like work hard and be nice to people like yeah no shit I mean, <laughs> absolutely if you can do it that's yeah. great being nice is being nice is probably easier than the work hard part you know like that's probably where you have to press a little bit more um and, See, and funny things you know like you never know who's like you know an admirer of yours we were talking about yum a couple of weeks ago like we were talking about cakes and I said to Chris Urich, the my business partner at Moochie's, I said, hey, buddy, you know, what's your what's your favorite cake? He goes, the patty cake at Yum. Right. It's like the simplest, most kind of oily chocolate mm. cake there is. Ah. With buttercream that is just, uh, you just look at it and you just think, oh, there's six sticks mm. of butter, like just on <laughs> that cake, right? I'm going to have a heart attack after eating it. it. It's so, that cake, I love that cake too, in part because it's very reminiscent of the cake that my mother made that was her Aunt Louise's recipe. And we had Aunt Louise's chocolate cake on most people's birthdays when I was a kid. My mother always made apple pie for me because that was my favorite. But Ooh. Aunt Louise's chocolate cake is so similar to patty cake that it really brings me back to my childhood and my mother. And I love that cake. To death it's yeah yeah so cool I, <laughs> I, I love that i love that food brings you back and We're i think you really have to like i rely on all of the things that i've tasted when i'm eating something today mm -hmm. i rely on all of those kind of experiences and the way i felt and the way you know like you know sometimes it's like environment that tastes the makes the food taste better but i, re I rely on all those experiences it's really good to have something that reminds you of your childhood if you eat something and it, rem it is evocative of your childhood like a red my, you know walking into the house and red sauce that smell of red sauce yeah you know kind of does it for me makes my mouth water still when i walk into the restaurant i'm like oh man it just like mm. gets me what's your well one of them in the winter for me in particular is um tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches mm. because How that's simple what is that? that's what my mother always made you know she'd say okay Everybody out of the house, you know, and we'd have to put on our snowsuits and we'd go to the, we'd go skating at Palmer Lake or, we, you know, whatever we would do. And, you know, a couple hours later, frozen, we would come back into the house and mom would have made, you know, canned 
tomato soup, probably the Red Owl label, not even Campbell's. And, um, you know, uh, 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 Velveeta cheese. My mother loved butter, so she fried everything in butter. And that was my favorite thing ever, to have a tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you kind of, like, use the grilled cheese sandwiches as croutons. Like, you'd cut them and put them in the soup. And, yeah, it was just the best, right? It still is. There's, like, (laughs) flavor combos that just never... That never grow old. Although today, like I recently had canned tomato soup and it was awful, like so bad. Like, mom, why didn't you just make tomato soup? It's so easy. But of course, you know, she had four children and, you know, it was the 60s. Of course she wasn't good. It might have tasted good in the 60s. (laughs) It probably was good. It was fantastic in the 60s. It was real probably in the 60s. We used to do this thing at home, or my sister did mostly, where you take a bunch of just like cheddar cheese and melt it in with your concentrated soup and a little bit of, and it was just like tomato dip. And yeah. like you just toast bread in there. It was like ridiculous. My mother also made an amazing pot roast. Like on most Sundays in cold weather, she would put a pot roast in the oven with, you know, carrots and potatoes and in, in the big, um, um, you know, roaster and put it in the oven. And then we would go to church. We would come home and the house would smell of that roast, you know. And I still, and we would have a, a lunch. Our Sunday lunch would be pot roast. And then we'd have pot roast sandwiches in the evening for dinner. And I still like, that's Pod roast what a takes me right back to that, you know. Yeah, yeah. what a blessing yeah. those memories yeah. are. My mom made a thing called boiled dinner, and it boiled was boiled dinner. Boiled dinner, okay. and it was literally uh, cabbage, onions, potatoes, like a like a, a hammy ham hock, mm-hmm. and you cover it in water, and you boil it. And we would just have boiled cabbage, potatoes, and, and like pieces. literally boil, like boil the yeah, shit basic, out of it. Kind basically, of? Okay. <laughs> we would make it into a cabbage uh, ham hock. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it would not like ever break down. Yeah. you know, like the potatoes were still whole. But okay, we called it. She called it boiled dinner. That's just like old school. And then we had like this chip dried beef on toast when I was a kid. That was mm. the worst shit I ever, <laughs> I ever fucking had. Like my sister loved it and she would be like, Haha, we're having chip dried beef on toast for dinner. I'm like, oh, you suck. So uh, you have children. Yes. Too. Um, what, what food memories have you made for your children? Uh, consciously or unconsciously? Well, unfortunately, I think my son... Um, doesn't hasn't really developed a palate for those food memories though we've taken him a million places mm-hmm. it's maybe a little bit we've catered to his wants more than me kind of saying imposing hey i need you to eat this for me you know but my but my daughter for sure has this imprint with, with mostly with the italian food gro- mm-hmm. growing up and a couple things like um i make a i studied in spain for I was in Spain for 10 months through in college and I learned how to make a very, very good Spanish tortilla. Okay. So when I make tortilla at home, everybody's kind of like, Oh, you know, it's like one of those traditional things dad makes. I think dinner uh, is a thing. Just generally sitting down is a thing. It's becoming harder. Like when your kids get older and they don't really want to hang out with you. So, you know, I think we're at like a point where, those those things I don't really know that I'm making him any memories mm-hmm. right now. I don't think he's open to that. But my daughter is always like, ah, dad's cooking, you know. And then I know that um, when LK, my daughter LK, she goes off and makes linguine with clam sauce. That I've done something. Okay. That I've that 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 it's not only what I do; it's what she wants from what we you know what she wants to make. Mm-hmm. 
So we make some linguine and clam sauce. I think as a family, that's kind of something that we'll endure with her. She'll always have that. I love that. Me too. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my grandmother, like getting up in, in the morning, I get up and she'd already be up. She'd be up with the, you know, with the birds. And she's like, I make you omelet. I'm like, yeah. If I can make it great. <laughs> Nona, maybe, Noni, make me an omelet, please. You know, she also made me, um, this is another thing my daughter eats. So toast, butter, poached egg, you know, and then she takes a, a little, a little corner of a pad of butter and cracks the, the hot yolk with it and the butter melts into the yolk. And then it's salt, cracked black pepper and Pecorino Romano cheese. And we eat that kind of religiously. Okay, I'll make that tomorrow. It's that sounds so really good. good. <laughs> you gotta put the butter into the loose yolk okay. and it kind of melts together. Nice. Yeah, and butter on the toast. Butter makes everything better, right? Yeah. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about, you know, kind of like the 90s. We talked about the, the 2000s. We just kind of brushed through them, like th how things have changed. I talked about or mentioned that I don't really know how to see, you know, what's coming to us, the trends and the things that are coming our, our way. But I have seen some new places that I really like. We went to Bar Brava, mm -hmm. Meteor Bar. Like they have this way of communicating with their guests. They're, they have, they have you know, drag shows, um, you know, things that, things that are events and they're really trying hard. Is there a, a new place or two that you've been that you're kind of crushing on? Um, or have you not been going out? I've not been going out all that much. Um, so don't even, feel pressure even, No, even vaccinated, I, I haven't been going out all that much. Um, uh, in part because it's not my job anymore, but also in part I just have been a little leery about you know being out in public. I've been very, particularly with the Omicron variant, I've been very COVID um, scared for all kinds of reasons it really um, sucks I'm yeah sorry it really sucks. no you know it's okay so um, let me tell you to go to bar brava yeah okay oh i love yeah, them yeah and it, we only went once but they had this like this really neat sensibility about them and it didn't feel like minneapolis not that i don't want places to feel like minneapolis yeah. but it felt like it was somewhere else when mm -hmm. you when you're feeling comfy yeah. and then i'm going to muriel tonight yeah with, I've been to Mira and I loved Mira. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've always, I think she's such an extraordinary talent, you yeah. know, and, um, uh, she's special. Okay. Yeah, like, right. Like I get like, like super successful vibes from her. Like yeah. she's just, she's like deserves to have a spotlight on her special, you know? Yeah. She's focused. Yeah. And we had a, a really, a, a fantastic dinner there. It was just great, you know? And it was funny because it was, uh, you know, this was like midsummer and, uh, we were, we dined out on the sidewalk, mm. um, uh, one of the things I like about that restaurant, just looking in at it, you know, it's a little, it's a very small dining room and maybe seats 30, 32 people in a little U-shape around a room. And, you know, there are not a lot of restaurants in the Twin Cities at that scale. You know, there just aren't. And so it feels very not of this place. You know, yeah. it feels more like you are in San Francisco or New York or Philadelphia oh, well. in those very small scale buildings where yeah. restaurants sprout up. Not here where there are 300 seats, you yeah. know. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. But she's such a good cook and she has such a great eye about what she wants to do uh, so the, that dinner was really memorable i love that place that's that's yeah. cool i'm yeah. so glad to hear that yeah and, and she was it fabican that she worked at uh, uh yeah i think she, i think she staged fabican yeah and, and and she just has that kind of really you know it's like a taut sensibility mm -hmm. like you know she, things are like not her even even her knots on her kerchiefs are like perfect right just love the focus yeah. that yeah, she can bring. Yeah, there's a very crispness of that place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I don't, 
Uh, you know, like they have like the little, the, the cute little creamers and those touches that kind mm. of like relax that, right. that formality and they can coexist. And that's kind of what I'm looking for when I go tonight. Yeah. To see the formality and that kind of cuteness mixed and then, together. And that's and, my preconception. <laughs> and, and the formality is nice, but at the end, what do you have for dessert? A slice of pie. And it's the best goddamn pie you've ever oh, had. Sweet. You know, like the like the texture of the crust is amazing. And, the, you know, the pie that we had had, I think it was peach pie, just when peaches were starting to come in and were just at the beginning of the, that incredible fragrant ripeness that they can get. And it just like, it just blew me away. Yeah, like it was so good. Yeah. 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 When I went, I went, I was kind of fan fanboying on her uh, when she was chef over at corner table right and so then i'm Me like Ooh, you know I'm yeah. like, Ooh, this is really a cool relationship and and you know i'm uh, corner table had a great run too that's another place you know that will that will miss but you know again you know stepping stones for others exactly but you know validate their skills that allow them to have a, a platform and a place and this is perfectly her time. I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see that. I love the rise of of women in our industry. I love the rise of the the you know like the changes. So you know like uh, while the industry itself has been finding you know difficulties you know pre pandemic to kind of relate to itself and figure itself out. You know the pandemic kind of fast forwarded that scenario in my estimation and that. When we really arrive to the other side, you know, we're going to see what's left. You know, we're going to see if there's some old timers that can still make it. And then we're going to see the, the new ones, the new technology, the new idea, the, the, the service things that have changed just because of how society has changed over the last couple of years. We, right. These are the things I'm having a hard time kind of locating for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, thank God I'm doing fucking classic Italian. Because I could lose my way pretty quickly. Right. Dinette, however, I read your review of Dinette again last night in, in bed, Rick. Um, <laughs> it was a great read if I, if I wore my cozy. Um, and because and I was kind of like, you know, it's now been almost seven years. It'll be seven years in July. That just blows me away. Seven years. Yeah, man. Wow. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. And Adam and I's relationship could have completely hit the skids when Maven went down. That was kind of a shit show, mm-hmm. to be honest. But can I tell you how much I love that restaurant? Thanks. Yeah, man. I love that restaurant. I was, I was actually, that was one of those where was, I'm devastated that that place closed. I yeah. love that place. I, plus, well, plus, you serve Taylor Ham, for God's sake. Yeah, we really, we really did a lot of it. Um, I also, I, I, read, I did some research. Rick, yeah. in, in the, like, the first line of one of the Maven introductions you, you wrote was, $2 bagels. You know, it was about the people right. uh, talking about that in line while you were going to get your bagel. It's just so infuriating. It's like, oh my gosh, people. Yeah. You have no idea what you're buying here. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. These bagels are, are exceptional. Of course they're worth $2. Come on. I, I thought the they were worth more than that. <laughs> and, 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 you know, having that business struggle so mightily, uh, even though it, it showed so many glimpses of opportunity, you know, that, that was under a year for us. You know, I opened a place called The Inn. The Inn. Again, great restaurant. Man, it was so good. Yeah. I don't open bad restaurants. No. I really I really yeah. don't. Does that mean I can make them uh, endure? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I'm blanking on the man who ran the kitchen, but he was really talented. Tig. Tig. 
there you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, it's it's really it's really cool to see. You know, now he owns ten. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lucky's restaurants. And did he did he think he was going to be owning a burger bar? No. But you know, this is you know. You can still have your dream, but you have to be able to afford it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so you definitely shaped the the dining scene here with you know with your words, um, you know, and, and I want to give you some you know props for that, Rick. You know, like you know, you really shed light on a lot of places over the years that you know were necessary for the dining culture to see to to have an opinion about, so that people would know about it. People go to it. The technology changed by the while, while you were writing all of these things. But you know, like really, when we first started out here, like that, that that paper was something I read every week. So I just want to give you props for that. Well, thank you. I have to say that's that's the newspaper. That's the I, I, I I'm not being. Um, it's not false modesty when I say that. Really, anybody having my job would have, I think had that impact on the on the. Uh, any impact on the dining because the paper is such a powerful instrument. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I was, I'm really happy that the, that the people running the newspaper see that, uh, the value in writing about restaurants and, and devoting resources to writing about restaurants because it is not an inexpensive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, with the newspaper, we pay for everything that we do when we dine out. We, we don't, we don't ask people to pay for our dining. We pay for it. And, um, that's a lot of money, yeah. and it's a big line on a on a budget item that I imagine that people, um, you know, in offices far above me look at that and go, "Well, we could be supporting the salary of somebody with that," you know. Uh, so I'm really glad that they are devoting those kinds of resources, and for years devoted those kinds of resources, yeah. not only in in finances but in in a body covering the, you know, giving us the real estate in newsprint to yeah. do that. You know, I think it was says a lot about the the leadership of the newspaper for doing that yeah well but we (laughs) this is uh, my take but i think i think we've lived through you and i through the guts of the restaurant heyday Mm -hmm. i think really you know food network started in 1993 yep and then you know that's when things you know it's food network and then star chefs like the the celebrities kind of came out of this. And then, you know, we're all now into the DIY of everything. Everybody knows so much. Like all this information is out here now. But. And isn't that great? Well, I actually think great. It's, I, I think it's really great because I've always said that the more people who are writing about restaurants and blogging about restaurants and Instagramming about restaurants and you know shooting videos in restaurants and TikTok, the more discussion, the better because I think it heightens awareness of what's going on in the world and it heightens interest hmm. and it drives people to go into restaurants and spend money cool. and have experiences. I think that's great. Yeah. You know, the, and those days of like the one, the critic of the newspaper ruling the world because they were the only person writing about restaurants. And those days, uh, that those long gone. And I'm actually, <laughs> I want that back. You know, and I'm actually no. really, I'm glad for that because I think that it makes for a, a, a more vital and healthier yeah. and interesting dining scene, don't you? I do. For and the most I part, don't. I'm like, I'm like, I like the like, old you, school kind of. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I like that too. But you know, and I'm not a fan of Yelp and places like oh, that. Man. You know, but. 
But I am a fan of people showing really like I love opening up Instagram and seeing where people have been dining out yes. and what they're, you know, uh, and as a critic, that was always really great because for years I was very sneakily trying to take photos of, of food. So I would remember what things look like. Now everybody takes pictures. Yeah. And so it's like you don't stand out in a dining room. So, the, well, I, I think that's a key for me. Like I've always said since I you know started on Instagram is, you know, and actually even Twitter was more food. There was more food on Twitter earlier mm. on when it was a nicer place to be. And, um, but I get to see, I use that as a tool because I get to see what everybody else is doing. So like before this, you know, social media revolution, you had to go to a place to experience it. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have to. But you if, can see yes, it. Right. It may drive business to you, but now you don't have to. Now you can be like, oh, that, that looks really, yeah. that looks really good. You may or may not go because of what you see. And, and so I think it's good. I think all of this is like the good. The more people, the, the, the better writing about it. But also, you know, like when people now know more about beer and wine than me and know more about smoke and meat than me, it becomes like the restaurant has to compete with yeah. a person that knows how to do this shit on their own at a high level. Yep. And it's, and it's an interesting balance because I still need you to come experience mm-hmm. the restaurant scene. But if you can cook shit as well as I can, that's yeah. hard. So the, there's some things that we are like, you know, fighting with, you know, long term, you know, maintaining, you know, back in 2008, you know, strip club, had, you know, that's what people did. They went to the strip club. It was busy. Yeah. You know, and that was like a cocktail revolution. Like those things were just starting, you know, and you had to be there to taste it. And it was kind of like you were within we were within the trend watching it roll out. Now, I don't know where what trends were within with watching it roll out. It's a little interesting to me. It's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little scary. And I also wonder about um, uh, thing uh, forces like Instagram um, kind of leveling the playing field and in, in not positive ways. I always go back to mm-hmm. Alex Roberts when he uh, was remaking Alma and he was opening uh, Cafe Alma and the, he was saying, you know, when we were going through the design of it and he was working with the designers and architects, he said, I stopped looking at Instagram because I didn't want my restaurant to look like, even subconsciously, like every other restaurant had started to look because everybody was going to Instagram and they were all kind of either consciously or unconsciously copying one another and there became this kind of sameness. Um, and he was like, I'm trying to avoid that. And I thought that was really smart. And He's can, so great. And, and you can kind of see that on Instagram. Like there, there's a leveling out. Like, you know, when I look at Instagram and restaurants in LA or San Francisco or Miami or Philadelphia or Chicago or Minneapolis, they're all kind of doing a lot of the same things now. And that, that was impossible 10 years ago because people didn't have that venue to put that kind of information out and to absorb that kind of information. Holy shit, the yeah. investment people are putting into their places is oh, yeah. incredible. I am a miser when it comes to that stuff. And you can tell, you can tell I'm okay. I do a lot of, you know, basically, you know, Smart Associates helped us with this, but we had a complete, you know, direction. But when you see like a place like Kaluna go up, mm-hmm. um, I love that. And Kim brought, I think, both times an L.A. firm. A studio. The studio. Um, I'm, it's a studio. I'm blanking on the whole name of it. Yeah. To do. To because do young her Joni shit is so that, different and yeah, cool. Right. Like, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, this is definitely, you know, more coastal or something. Mm. Like, it's just it's just got a way that it feels. Yeah. I and like, God bless her for that. Yeah. You know, because that's like a nice yeah, you know, switch like sitting in Suki and Mimi, which uh, we were there in early December with some friends. It was such a pleasure just to sit in that lovely, beautiful, 
slightly unusual looking, but not foreign kind of room. You yeah. know, it was lovely. Seems like Tony yeah. and soft yeah. and kind of right. like just washes over you a little bit. It's easy. Totally. No harsh corners. Yeah. Like really, really, really cool. And I love it actually that, you know, it's in the space that was really one of my favorite restaurants of all time, mm -hmm. Lucia's Restaurant. And it looks nothing like it at all. And I'm actually really grateful to her for that, for doing something that's so uh, that's a complete 180 from what Lucia's was, but it's still in the same place. And you can still have those happy feelings without like, oh, yeah, and I remember that, you know, all gone. So I'm kind of glad for that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if my NDA is expired or not, but we had, JD and I had opportunity to consider uh, that place. Mm -hmm. As it as Lucia was exiting, and I remember walking through there, and there was like this corner, and then there was a hood here, and then there was another corner, and there was another kitchen here. Oh and then, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. it was a maze of it was a maze because it was, it was huge. A, it, she grew incrementally over the oh years my God. In, in these piecemeal fashions, and yeah. so yeah, and the yeah. little bar was yeah. adorable. The little bar, dude. oh shoot, I had it was so like many great blind seats. dates in that yeah. place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bad blind dates, but good ones. Yeah, um, I met one of my favorite service. Uh, people, oh shoot, and I'm I do this. She's one of my favorite sommeliers in town, and I'm blanking on it, but she worked at Lucia's and she waited on my wife and I. She was a sommelier at the Grand Cafe. I am so bad, but you are awesome. Um, she waited on us at Lucia's, and that was one of the she was one of the sweetest servers I've ever had in my life, and just so calm and cool. And she was a perfect fit. At Grand Cafe, it's just lovely to see, you know, how people come out of an organization like Lucia's, and mm -hmm. then they, they they also, you know, are still existing in right. in our environment right. and in the restaurant in world another, and thriving in it, and like, yeah. and and um, you know, kicking its ass. Really, we've had our our star chefs come through town too. You know, mm -hmm. we had Wolfgang roll through. He did a uh, a book signing at Aquavit that was so much fun. He really? was so pleasant. Yeah, <sighs> what a great guy. Um, we had, and that was a great restaurant. 2021 was a was great really restaurant. Good. It was really good. Really good. Yeah. yeah. And Jean George, Jean George, he ruled through Marcus at Chambers. Yeah. Who else? Anybody? Those were kind that? of the big three, I think. But then here comes Gavin. Yeah. Right. Is it? Is it because he's a local boy that he gets to do so well with these things? You think that's the difference? They like that star chef him or did well, he just I, like i think it's because he actually is lives here and works here i mean mm -hmm. those three were like you know marcus came in what once a once a month for a week yep. you know uh you know they they were just kind of parachuting and i think wolfgang came in his contract said you must be in minneapolis twice a year you know some number like that they weren't living here and working here and that's the complete 180 from what Adam or from what Gavin does, who is Gavin you is live the in, best. Root, rooted here, you know, making uh, making a, a difference here in this city. Yeah, so it, visible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's really, really amazing. Yeah. I don't even know how somebody like him does it all. Like, he's just driven, and he's got a whole friggin' team of people. Like, he walks into a room, and there's like people with him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I got my, you know, backpack on. You yeah. know. <laughs> That's my team here, you know. I got an iPad, man. You know, and he's got like a team of people. But it's amazing to see him kind of push in, and you know, Diane Mua's like mm -hmm. coming out of that and crushing Bellacour, and that was a loss too. But like, you know, I love that, you know, that survival instinct. And here comes the Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, amazing. he's remarkable. Yeah, really cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, we're blessed in this city, aren't we? That we have all these. You know, we have some big names. So we got a bunch of little small places that are plugging ahead. That's really good stuff. Yeah. When you broke your anonymity, mm -hmm. how much anonymity did you have? Oh, uh, none. 
I mean, like, you know, that was one of the reasons why we officially broke it. Because, I mean, you know, I don't want to say that everybody knew who I was, but lots of people knew, recognized me, in part because I'd been doing it for so long. And, you know, I mean, front of house people move from place to place. Once you're recognized in one place, you're recognized in others. And part of it was I never really tried very hard to be anonymous. I mean, because I knew that I wasn't. But I got really, really tired of the whole, I'm going to pretend you don't know who I am. And you're going to pretend that you don't know who I, you know, that stupid game yeah. is dumb. And, but the big, <laughs> but the bigger part of it, the reason why I decided to officially do it was because I looked around my workplace, the newsroom, and I was really the only reporter in the building who didn't meet people face to face. I did all of my work over the phone mm. or when I was in restaurants, you know, and pretending to be anonymous. I very rarely interviewed people face to face and I just kind of came to the realization, like, number one, why don't I, this is stupid that I'm pretending to people that I have an anonymity. Isolating, huh? And, I, and I'm setting myself up in, by making that, by that pretend world. Why don't I just drop all of this and I can actually meet people in person officially? And that's really the main reason why I did that. And there were a lot of benefits for doing that. I got to you know meet and introduce, introduce myself to people and interview them. Uh, I, a, an example was I wrote a, I, I profiled about 25 immigrants who are working in the restaurant industry and we made a big section about it. And I met every one of those people in person and I got to like watch their body language and look into their eyes and listen to their voice. You know, mm. it's very different when you're trying to write about someone when you're doing it over the phone versus doing it in person. Yeah. And I thought it, it added a richness, I think, to my work that did not exist before. And yeah, that's like the, a, an entire yeah. sensibility of who this person right. is. Right, yeah. And so I was really <laughs> glad that I did that. The like only that. the only only bummer was that I had to have my photo in the paper because I that was a realization. That, number one, I don't like having my picture taken, and two, Sorry. And, and, no, and, 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 uh, I, I always thought you that you know the, you. the only photo that would ever be in the paper of me was on my when I died and it was my obituary. Oh God! Yeah, and, um, and but it made me realize like how um, it's not so casual to say, oh, you know, and by the way, we'd like to send a photographer to take some pictures. What's a good time? Because. Um, that sends a little a stab of fear into my heart, like, oh my God, someone's gonna take my picture. So I'm a lot, I become a lot more cognizant of oh, what that meant to people, sure. like to come and say, I was not no longer so casual about that. You know, like, hey, we're gonna send a photographer, I hope that's okay, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, that's actually kind of a big deal. So, yeah. Well, you deserve the recognition. Yeah. I mean, it's nice, at, you know, that that changed for you. And I saw a bunch of that happen and Adam Platt and, you know, New York Magazine, and you know, I, again, you know, I kind of, I kind of feel like we come through some of the heyday here, and I like some of that old, like when it was hard, and you get a review, and you're like, wow, you know, like that was, you know, you learn something from it, and people like you knew enough. I mean, I listen to you. Mm. I don't listen to everybody, uh-huh. but I listen to you. Well, that's kind of you. Appreciate Thank it. You. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm glad you're not sick of the food scene because. Mm-hmm. You know, I still think we need you. I still think we, you know, we need, you know, John Chang is definitely an interesting character when it comes to like, you know, how how he's writing and what he says and what mm-hmm. he does online and, you know, to giving giving like B pluses and A pluses to, and C pluses or Ds to dishes kind of like, you know, on his Instagram story. And, you know, it's 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 all right by me because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't mind a, I don't mind a harsh critic. And I was like wondering, like, what the hell does this guy know about food, right? 
So then he goes on this trip to the Philippines, where I believe he's from the Philippines. Oh, he's from Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, Excuse he me. was in Singapore. Yeah. And holy shit, the food that he ate, mm-hmm. the, the meals that he showed us, the experiences that he's gaining. It's very interesting to, the, to have this switch. And it's a very different person from you yeah. behind that. Absolutely. And, I'm thrilled. And, and yeah. me too. Yeah. And it's nice to see Joy stepping in and doing some of those things. But, you know, you left them like a seriously cool platform and, a, and in a wide open way, just like handed them such a really cool city. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm not trying to <laughs> blow you up, but I, I really do appreciate it. I'm going to, it is Niver Niverland after all. So I'm going to talk about me some more. Rick. While you're here, if you don't mind. Let's talk about you, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I actually have a little beef with you. Okay, fire away. Uh, You're not supposed to want it that bad. (laughs) It's very little beef. (laughs) So I feel feel really lucky when we open up the, the Town Talk Diner. We got three and a half stars for that. David Vlock crushed it. Tor Westgard crushed it. Nick Kosovich, Aaron Johnson. It was, I was so thankful for that. I remember waiting for that paper to come out. I knew you were in. I remember the day, I remember the day I read it. I was just elated. I was beside myself. I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I did it. I had been working for other people, but you helped validate, you know, some of what we were trying to do and you saw it and i read the review for dinette we got three and a half stars thank you so much uh rick i got a lot of i got a lot of your stars and and when you reviewed it there was a there was a, a quote uh it's immaterial whether the frame uh, we were talking about you were talking about uh the concept of saint dinette mm-hmm. it's in these are your words it's immaterial whether the framework is an over brainstorm marketing ploy or a deeply held conviction. You're talking about, you know, the way that we had um, some of these international uh, focuses with our food and as they related to Mexican, New Orleans and whatever. Um, I'm going to read it again. It's immaterial whether the framework is an over brainstorm marketing ploy or a deeply held conviction. What matters is that even dives in headlong and crafts a dozen or so diverse dishes that are precisely tailored to suit contemporary tastes. That made me, <laughs> I love that because- I don't remember writing that, I'll be honest. Because you fucking got it. <laughs> yeah. And I still think, and, and I'm, uh, I have a really okay sense of myself. And I still think to this day, dinette is slightly misunderstood. Mm-hmm. That people don't actually, you know, they think that it's fine dining or it just has a burger. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much because seven years ago when you wrote that, you got it. Ah, <laughs> I was like, this is the best. Like our intent is received. Ah, thanks. Oh. So what's the beef? There's no beef yet. I'm not done talking <laughs> about me either. <laughs> So then Strip Club, you, we got three stars there, and JD, mm-hmm. JD was so good. I, I just, they meant so much to our businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, these reviews meant so much to our businesses. So then one night, I think I was working here, and you sent out a tweet about how loud Moochie's St. Paul was. 
<laughs> something about some monastery thing, like a monastery is, I don't even, do, I don't know if you have a, a, a loudness quote about it that includes the word monastery. Okay, I don't know. All right, some about like a marching band in a monastery or something like that, how fucking loud it was. And I'm like, oh no, my new restaurant. I fucked it up. Rick is there and I fucked it up. And so I think I, I I probably had a little snappy something that I retorted to yeah. you. And then I DM'd you afterwards. This is a long time ago, man. I really don't hold grudges, but I've always wanted to know. I might have held a grudge. I'm still holding the grudge. It's fine, Rick. I'm not really holding the grudge. But <laughs> grudges are fine. It's no, I have a thick it's, skin. It's no grudge. Here's the deal. And then here's the deal. I and you said something about the noise level in there. And I commented back and then I said, I hope you like everything. And you said, everything was really nice. Or you said, mm -hmm. oh, what is the quote? Everybody treated me well. There's something about the service or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. But I knew that it was noisy. So it was like Memorial Day weekend and I called this guy who does soundproofing. And I, because of what you said on Twitter. Yeah. And I went, you're powerful, man. You're powerful. You drove me, <laughs> drove me nuts. And also like in the right way. <laughs> I went and I got this dude to build us these sound panels. Right. And then four days later, I, I think I sent you a picture of the sound panels. And I'm like, okay, we're ready for you. And then I don't, I wanted you to come back. And then Moochies didn't get a review. And I was like, damn it, why didn't he review us? That was my beef. I wanted you to review us. Just I don't remember why I didn't review you. I honestly don't. Ah, um, that's not the answer I want. You I wanna, should say something like, Niver, you really No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I do remember how loud it, I remember that evening. I remember I was with uh, my husband and our friend Wade, we, uh, and the room was so loud that I actually went several times into the restroom just to get the fuck away from the loudness of the dining room. Like, I mean, it triggered a migraine. It was so oh, loud. It was like, it was like, it was like, it was like dining inside a jet engine. It was I don't so loud. A review. And I, and <laughs> I don't, <laughs> and I just thought I never want to come back here, but oh. although I did, I remember going back, but I don't know why we didn't review it. I, and I want to say, it might have been because my editor didn't want me to review it. She had gone and, and was Lee? And, Lee and didn't like it. And I, at least I'm going to blame it on her anyway and say maybe she pulled it and said, no, let's let's put our focus elsewhere. I honestly don't remember why I didn't well, review I it. I still have a grudge then. Okay. Well, now it's against Lee. Dane. All right. I'm going to find her <laughs> and we're going to talk I'm about sorry, what. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but Lee always used to say to me, um, if you have, if you ever run into an issue, just blame it on me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I, there were, there were several times when I did blame things on her that were oh. not her fault at all. But, but uh, this is, this is important. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's important, you know, like as a restaurateur that you realize when you screw up, so when you're a restaurateur and you do this shit for a living and you know you screwed up or you miss something or, you know, there's a, a, you know, a, a ratty carpet at the front door and you don't change it or right. whatever. These things are so important. And that's why your feedback was and I like I wanted it so bad because like you said, mm -hmm. I, I use what you tell me. So now I know the sound panels are up. It's still kind of noisy in there. But you've also changed, I, I drove past it the other day, you've changed the front door, it's on the other side yeah, now the because you built a patio. Yeah. Rick, we have to keep evolving. Yeah, absolutely. We have to keep evolving, <laughs> we have to listen to what and see mm. things. Things that we start in restaurants, 
in the first year change so much and then year five and then year 10 we have to completely renew our commitment mm -hmm. to figuring out and keeping our standard where it is and you helped you helped a lot of people with that and you set the tone and and when i and when i didn't get that review i was just kind of like joking like we had conversations since then i've always liked you i want to be your friend i've said that <laughs> numerous times but i was just always wondering like damn it you know that one was important to me and I didn't get it. It's okay. We got a bunch of other things. I just wondered. Okay. I just wondered. It's no beef. Like, you can't write about every fucking restaurant mm -hmm. out there. And if you were going to say something like, it's noisy as hell, and Lee Dean Svitak? Yeah, Lee, Lee Svitak Dean. Yeah. Lee Svitak yeah, Dean, yeah. To, to be appropriate here. Damn it that I missed her on that. Because if I had seen her in there, I would have totally made sure. <laughs> it's a small room, man. Maybe that's why I like small places because I can see you all walk in. Yeah. Marcus, the first time Dara walks in, Marcus is like, go, go, go. I'm like, what, what? Mm -hmm. She's a food writer. Go out there and say hi. Introduce yourself. Break it down immediately. Don't let this weird thing in between you exist. She's a food writer. Go out there now and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always had this kind of intense, yeah. you know, like my you know, like awareness of who's in my room mm -hmm. at one time. And it means a lot yeah. to me. And well, you I should still, have that awareness. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's a practice. I think, you know, um, you know, just, you know, raising, you know, like somebody's friend is here. Somebody's mom is here. Like all these, all these people come through, like people knowing, you know, and I always, I, I still do this to this day. I pretend I walk into a shift when maybe I'm a little not focused. I pretend a food critic is going to walk mm -hmm. into my brain. Like I'm expecting you. Hmm. Because that way, I'm trying to like see the level I want to be, not the level I'm at. I'm like, okay, what would they see? You have to change your eyes. Yeah, that's the beauty of the anonymity of the restaurant critic. Like, you know, another reason why I gave up my anonymity was I wasn't working solely as a restaurant critic. That was a big part of my job, but I was also a reporter and a features writer. You know, if you are only going to be a restaurant critic, that's the only that's that's the only output you're creating for your publication or um, you know media whatever anonymity is great because you do want to have the experience that every other every one of your readers is going to have when they walk into that restaurant and you're not going to be treated like a vip i mean being treated like a vip is i i find really annoying um like i just want to be treated like everybody else you know um and 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 so and it also I'm makes like, you, you know send him something send him something no he's makes, here make sure yeah, it send makes him your something. job harder too because then you you can't just concentrate on what's happening at your table you have to concentrate on what's happening at the tables across the room where presumably they're not being treated like VIPs they're just being treated like customers I mean you just want to have that experience like everybody else we so used you can to send. so you can accurately report to your readership and say here's what happens in the restaurant yeah so we used to like do bullshit like okay so um. I forget with this one. It might have been Vegas. We had some food writer in and the chef's like, we're going to send him something, but we're also going to send the four tables around them something. Smart. Yeah, very <laughs> smart. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't be like, oh, who's this guy over here? You know, getting the special attention, you know, like, oh, this section now gets this, you know, amusette or whatever, you know. There was a great story. And remember the New York Observer? The, yeah. The, yeah. They did. I think it was the Observer. They did a story about, you know, this is maybe about 2004, about how a restaurant prepared for Ruth Reichel, who was then the critic at the New York Times, to come into the restaurant and what was going to happen when they figured it out and, and how they were going to stage their dining room. And it was like 
the Normandy landings. It was like that detailed in how they were how they were going to stage that experience, because you know a really you know a two or three star review in the New York Times that's a million dollars. Absolutely. You know? um, so they were made Marcus's career. Yeah, and so yeah, his Hard three star review in in at, at, at Aquavita, New York, made his career. Um, so you know there there was a lot of writing on that. You know the uh, I just found that fascinating. Yeah. yeah. You know the stakes are not that high here in the Twin Cities. Oh. You know? <laughs> it seems high. It seems like they're high. Well, I, I I appreciate all that you like. I say you know like the things that meant you know things to us you know in this industry that you did the nice words that you put out there are just they will endure. They will endure. I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you. Okay, a couple of quick questions. Yeah. Do you like truffle oil? No, I loathe it. I just, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't, lo- I, I actually loathe its application. I think you sparingly, it's delicious and beautiful, but almost no one uses it sparingly. Like I just like, it, it, you know, something arrives to the table and it's, and you can, there's a stench to it. Like, you know, a little goes a long way. Let's just use it that way. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. I love truffle oil. Um, and not to be like that, but absolutely love it. And it's so dumb because uh, it's not even usually truffle. I know. <laughs> I don't like, love it like, on everything, yeah. but like it's just a weird thing for me. It's like know? fake vanilla. It's not vanilla. It's fake. It's, it's, it's fake it's vanilla. It's like made out of wood chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you really like the state fair? Um. It's funny because, you know, I mostly see the state fairs work like, uh, you know, and and for people who are listening to this uh, for 22 years, something like that. I went on the first day of the state fair and I and I tried to taste every new food that oh was available God. at the fair. So, I mean, and, you know, it started it was an easy gig when it started. And when yeah. I started that whole thing, you know, because there were maybe like seven or eight. And, you know, but then the state fair figured out, hey, the Star Tribune's paying a lot of attention to this and, and other food writers are, are following along. Let's introduce more new food. I think one year I found like 64, you know, it was like, it was a horrible day, oh my God. you know, um, so that, that was tough, but it, it was interesting because as I said, I always kind of view the fair as work, but maybe five or six years ago, uh, my late father's wife who lives in California, um, but grew up in North Dakota, she'd always wanted to go to the fair and had never gone. So she came here and my sisters and I, um, we walked her around for maybe four or five hours and I got to see the fair through her eyes, someone who had never been oh, there before, that. who thought it was amazing. And it that was really an eye opener for me. Super cool. Yeah. I love how yeah. people are so connected to it. Yeah, I, I do too. I, love I am how not from here, and, and yeah. I don't have that connection to mm-hmm. it. And you know, and, and obviously, every it's it's an obsession for folks. I, oh, yeah. I love that they love it. Yeah. I just am intrigued by it because it doesn't mm-hmm. hit me. So I wonder, like, what you know, based on kind of like what you said, like every year you're gonna go and yeah. eat deep fried, you know, olives or whatever. Like, oh. Right. That doesn't, that, that story, I didn't really, I love the attention that that story got. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, for years, that was the number one story on our website in my department for oh the God. year. Like, it got like Super Bowl Vikings win the Super Bowl kind of hits. Yeah. You know, I mean, wow. people love that story, yeah. you know. So that was fun to have that people kind connect. of high profile thing. People connected to it. And then, you know, I'd hear stories about people walking around the fair with the newspaper, like Xing off like the top 10 oh, dishes sure. that I found. You know, I find that enormously flattering that people were reading things that I wrote. You know, I love that. Um, But to go to the fair, you know, I actually went to a concert at the fair for the first time in 20 years, 
maybe three or four years ago, Aretha Franklin came here. Oh, and my husband killing. loves Aretha Franklin. So we went and he is he had never been to the fair. He just refused to go to the fair. And <laughs> and, and he was always talking the fair down. And he was walking around the fair like, um, wow, this is pretty amazing. This is pretty cool. I'm like, you're not allowed to do that. You've been dissing the stage for all of these years. years. And it's like, yeah. So. Hey, we can yeah. see the people can turn and change. That's that's the whole deal. I think one of the reasons people like the fair so much is because there are no automobiles there. You can walk around, you know, blocks and blocks and blocks and city blocks, and you're just surrounded by people walking and how, and it's outdoors and it's the peak of summer. So the weather's beautiful. It's like, of course, people love that. You know, I hope I, I hope that, that normalcy comes back to that part. Yeah, of, I do you know, too. Like, I think that really will kind of center folks again, like having, you know, something that really means that much to them that, mm. that happens. And I, I, I hope that, you know, that happens around a lot of other things that we get recentered on those things that bring us joy. And we can absolutely kind of let go of some of the stuff that we've picked up along the way yeah. these last couple of years. I hope so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many cookies do you think you've eaten? Oh, I mean, like, I love cookies. So uh, as you can tell, um, uh, you do the cookie thing every year. I right? do it every year. We've done it for 19 years, uh, our cookie contest, at which we started kind of on a lark. And we thought we'd do it would be a one off, you know. And and then the second year came around, we we're like, well, that seemed to be kind of successful. Let's try that again. And now it's like become this institution at the paper. And I think maybe an institution in our community, yep. you know, which I really love, yep. you know, it'd be, it'd be, it, it's, everybody likes cookies, you know, right? everybody, everybody likes cookies, everybody you know, cookies. and and we leave it up to the, to the creativity and the um, interest of our readers who never let us down and send us really cool recipes. Some of which they've been working on for, you know, I like, I love the, every yep. aspect Brings of that. The home and I love the, you know, for me, when we started it, it was a way to connect with readers in a way that I'd never connected with before. And, you know, actually meeting people and talking to them mm. and talking about their interests, you know, and, and they've made something for us. I love that aspect of yeah. our contest. But we probably, I mean, the, so the first year we did it, um, we, you know, we got, you know, three or 400 entries. We whittled it down to like, let's try, let's bake 25 of our, that sound really good and we'll taste test them all in a single sitting. That's how we kind of set up the format. And I very stupidly said, well, I'll just, you know, how hard can that be? I'll just bake them over a weekend. We'll do it on a Monday. I mean, I was nearly suicidal by the end of that Sunday <laughs> night, like making 25 different guys. That's like, crazy. Like, just to make the shopping list and go to Lund's and fill a cart with the ingredients I needed took me like three hours. Dude. Just, yeah, I was. And, and at the time, uh, my husband and I, we, our house, we, had, uh, we were several years away from renovating our house. So our kitchen was about the size of this tabletop. Oh, no, you know? <laughs> like turning around with like yeah. the two of you and <laughs> right. like trying to get some cookies made. <laughs> and so then we made this. So then we said, well, how can we do this? So we spread out the the cookie baking responsibility among our colleagues. And we put out a note in the newsroom and said, hey, <laughs> if you'll bake a batch of cookies for us, you can be a, a judge in our contest. I mean, we didn't really tell them that we didn't really care what they thought. It was <laughs> really just like Leah and I decided. You could have an opinion. Yeah, you could have an opinion. Oh, but here not, comes Leah yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did that for a long time until one, one year, um, it just got kind of too big uh, and too many people. We, we would book the biggest conference room in the paper. We'd have like 30 people gathered around, you know, and it got to be a little unwieldy. And then a very sweet woman um, came to me and said, 
we don't, you know, I'm not really a baker, but I'd really like to be a part of this because it just seems so fun. Could it? And I'm like, actually, you're the perfect recipe tester because you don't bake. And, you know, a lot of our readers don't bake and that'll be their first time. So we gave her the easiest recipe of the submissions that we could. And she came in and they were like little sugar cookies. They have these green flecks in them. And I'm like, well, okay. And she said, you know, I didn't know what cream of tartar was. So I used tartar sauce. I hope that was okay. Oh, <laughs> and, and we thought we have to change the way we do this. <laughs> Did you try? Uh, yeah, I mean, they were like pickle cookies. You know, oh my God, yeah. weird. Uh, yeah, so I felt bad for that entrance because she obviously wasn't going to you know, uh, proceed further in the contest. So then we, we turned to uh, a, a baking professionals and we asked them, they very kindly bake our, our semifinalists for us and we just show up and taste. So, and we taste a lot of cookies. So thousands like, of fucking thousands, cookies. Yeah, thousands like, you know, like 25 a, a year. And we've been doing it for 19 years. Wow. So, you know, you do the math. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of cookies. Yeah. I had to ask about cookies. <laughs> like, um, tell me, what is uh, your favorite meal ever? Oh, ever? Like favorite meal in a restaurant ever? Yep. Or favorite? Oh, gosh. That's really hard to say. Weird, I, right? Yeah, so many I don't meals. Know. It's so many meals. I mean, I literally dined in thousands of restaurants. To me, like, you know, I mean, the food, of course, is one thing, and you remember those kinds of details, but I often more remember the people that I've dined with and the experience that we had sitting in that restaurant mm -hmm. over, say, a specific menu item or a dish. Um, and I've had a lot of really lovely meals all over the country with, with, with people in restaurants where I was working or, you know, I was a part of a group where we were all dining out. So it's, it's kind of hard to pick. And so many meals. Rick. I mean, so many meals, right? I mean, like literally thousands and thousands of meals. So it's God. How do you even like sort through all of those food memories? Really? Like you yeah. gotta be have places you just don't even remember going to. It's like, Oh yeah. no, we were like, you know, it's so interesting. Cause I, we have, you know, I have almost every taste section that I've produced or if I don't, Lee, Lee does. Lee is a much better archiver. And she and I were trying to pull together like, um, uh, you know, ones that we would want to bind into a book, you know? And so I was going through all of these sections. And I'm like, I don't even remember writing this. Like, I don't remember this photograph. I don't remember, I don't remember this restaurant. I'm so glad you mentioned the inn earlier because I was trying to remember the name of that restaurant. And it's I crazy. couldn't. It's like I, a blur for me too. Even. But I remember sitting there with uh, my friends, John and Trevor, and the, the wonderful experience we had sitting in that room like in that long it was a long weird yeah, like space a long bar, yeah, weird. yeah um uh and how delicious the food was i don't remember what we had but i have very happy memories of that restaurant and oh. i was so bummed when it closed yeah man so yeah well thanks yeah. you know i think there's there's um we're trying to make memories mm -hmm. and i think that is it's not just about the food it's not just about the service it's not just about the restaurant it's about the guests that rolls in what they want what their out desired outcome for that experience is why they're there the day they've had that they bring with them to the restaurant all of these things kind of factor in and it's nice to be able to have so many i suspect this is it you've had so many favorable meals that mm. it's hard to just pick one yeah, it is hard to pick just one because god you know like, but you're right restaurants are memory makers that's exactly what they are yeah you know you know besides sustaining us and um employing us or you know uh becoming anchors in our community they yeah. are memory makers you yeah. walk in and you create these beautiful memories yeah. yeah oh and it's a it's an honor um it's an honor to be able to do it yeah. you know to to be able to be in this industry still 
And I want to make sure that, you know, while we talked about you know, like the change in the guard and, you know, walked through a little bit of the last few decades of dining, that that internal eternal optimism that you mentioned is completely inside of me. I see it inside so many of these young folks and even some of the ones that have been in our industry that are that are maybe a little forlorn, but I see them, you know, these new people out there. And I think these opportunities where where we are right now is actually our biggest opportunity to make another run at another restaurant heyday. Absolutely. I, I, I think yeah. it's like this is prime time. I, you know, I, not like we have a clean slate, but, you know, I think maybe we should uh, wash this one away and start all over and start fighting again. See what the new the new future looks like. Right. And think about all the pent up demand that consumers have for dining out too. Yep. after all this time of not really dining out or just relying on takeout or learning that, hey, we can cook at home. I mean, one of the most instructive things for the pandemic for me was I was making a lot of chicken early on in the pandemic, like three nights a week, I was roasting some kind of chicken some way. And uh, it came up to, I think it was either my birthday or it was our anniversary, one of the two. And we ordered a dinner from Alma, a takeout dinner. And it happened to be that chicken was the main course. <laughs> and I'm telling you that chicken was so fucking delicious and so a thousand degrees different from what I was making at home. I'm like, this is why restaurants mm -hmm. are important yeah. because this is telling me, Number one, what am I doing to chicken? They're ruining it. Like, because what they're doing <laughs> in Alma, or what are, they, what are so they doing to make it make so it. fantastic? Yeah. So, I mean, restaurants are essential to our to our culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree. And and thanks for kind of guiding us through the last numerous years with you know your take on, in uh, your words on on how we do it. Like I say, it's an honor to be able to talk to you today. I'm really pleased that we had some time together like as humans to chat like you said you know like we were i you, you know you walk in i'm like rick's here and now i'm like rick's here <laughs> you know like we can we can hang dude we can hang so thank you for joining me on niver niverland today rick it's been a pleasure speaking with you well it's been an delight thank you anytime my brother all right cheers Hey there, this is Matt, producer of Niver Niverland. Thanks for sticking around to the end. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow our social media accounts. All that information will be in the description of this episode. Of course, it's a major help to Tim if you actually go out and support his restaurants in the Twin Cities. St. Dinette in Lower Town, St. Paul, Moochie's Italian in the West 7th neighborhood of St. Paul. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>